All right, is that on? I speak loud enough where it doesn't matter, but for the recording. I feel like Arsenio Hall, like, who's ready? Run out here. Give me one of these little fist pump. Um, good morning, everybody. Good morning, family. How are you guys doing? Good? All right, I, I do have to start with uh, caveats and provisos. Who's first time, who's, who's first time attendee here at Graceville? Let me, just not, not to embarrass you, I am not the pastor. I am not a pastor. I have not been to biblical school. I am not ordained. I am Kip. So we have a wonderful pastor and a wonderful, he has a wonderful family. So I would compel you and ask you to make sure you come again on a day where Ed is back here um, because he's unbelievable. Uh, he asked me to share the message today because he is getting his graduate degree down at Liberty University and the whole family went down there to Virginia. So pretty special, pretty awesome. And uh, I, I'm blessed to be here, but I certainly, um, I'm human and I'm, I fall short. Uh, so I would just uh, ask you that uh, don't, don't let this be the only time you come here. Uh, definitely come back. Um, also, want to give a praise to the worship team. Can we get some praise for the worship team? They, uh, they work so hard and, and through rehearsals and all that they do, and they serve and it's beautiful and it allows... It really does. I mean, I know I feel the Holy Spirit and, and it invites it in and it brings us to a place that uh, we're ready to receive, receive God and the Holy Spirit. So thank you guys. We really, really appreciate you. Um, when it comes to the message, when, when Ed asked me two weeks ago, of course, there's always like a little bit leery. What am I going to talk about? And I don't know if pastors go through this regularly about choosing what to speak about. But what I encountered was kind of like three roads, like there's like an easy one, like, all right, there's, there's this kind of word that is um, it's something that I kind of live by, and it's, it's easy to deliver because something I do regularly, it's not tough on me, it's pretty easy, wouldn't take too long. Um, and, then there's, and then there's this other one that's kind of like, okay, I'm going to pray and, and be open to what God wants to say through me, and let's just see what, what happens. Let's, let's see how that goes. And then the other one is like, ooh, there's this thing that I could say that I've been struggling with, it, whether it's my testimony or what I'm working on, working through right now. And, and that would be like an ouch moment. So I, I asked Christine and my wife, I'm like, what should I do? She's like, I think you got to do the hard one. And so it was a combination of the last two. In the last two weeks, I've been praying. Um, I was blessed to be given a book by my brother, Jake that really has been striking a nerve in, in some of the struggles in my life about uh, what we're going to talk about today. And so that's the kind of the path that we're going to go down today. Uh, so with that, let, let's, uh, let's pray. Let, let's open up in prayer. Whew. Father God, thank you so much for this day that you have made. Thank you for this body of believers, this family, God, for Graceway community, God. We are so delighted to be here with you, God. I thank you for the people that came out today, God. I know for many of us, it was a struggle, whether it was getting kids dressed, God, whether it's a struggle with something that we have, whether it's feeling like we're not worthy to be in your house and your presence, God, or whether it's just, it's hard. We have a lot going on, God. So I thank you for each brother and sister here today. And I would pray especially, God, that it would not be my voice that they hear, Lord, but that your Holy Spirit would work through me, God, and that each one of us would walk out a little bit different than we came in, God. Thank you so much. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there's three characters, things, whatever you want to call them that I want to talk about today. And uh, I know one of them really well. And you, you probably, you, we've all heard of all three, but uh, some of you may know each 
in different varying levels of intimacy. The first one is God's love. Love. We all know love. It's the foundation to, to us as, as humans, as God's children, and uh, as believers. Um, the other is obedience. That's the one I know really well <laughs> in varying levels. But as a Marine, as a parent, um, I, I am very intimate with obedience, almost more so, inappropriately more so than I am with what you see here, God's love. And then the last character that uh, I'm least familiar with and that I've recently started a relationship that I'd encourage you to as well if you haven't is surrender. And being a bit of a math geek and being kind of a numbers guy and equations guy, this is, this is how I look at it, right, wrong, or indifferent. We're going to get into the word here today, but this is kind of how I look at it. And I'm, gonna, I'm already out of order, so bear with me, but this is not to scale. God's love doesn't fit on the page. The love in our hearts that God puts there is, is not, doesn't even fit in this room. Then you have obedience to the right. And then what, what I have found personally is that surrender is kind of like a matrimony of the two. You can have obedience without love, but it's almost like our actions without love, right? What does the word say? It's like a clanging gong. It's empty. And you can have love with, without obedience. We have love no matter what. And we're going to talk about that. That's what is perfect about God's love is that it is not tied to any type of obedience, any type of action, anything that we can do. It's it's like a, a parent's love that a lot of us have encountered either as a child or a parent. So this is kind of like the bottom line. This is kind of something funny to me that uh, I saw. This is kind of what I've done to God at times. Maybe you have too. Um, you probably, if you have children, I'm sure they've done this to you too. Um, as a parent where, where you just want their obedience. You want it freely though, right? You don't want just, uh, what, what do we tell our kids and what have our parents told us? Don't pout. Hey, go do this thing. And then they stomp off and they do it. But what, how does that feel to you as a parent? It feels a lot like how God feels when we do the things God wants us to. That's in his word, but not with a willing heart, with, with lack of will, exactly. So let, let's go back to the love, though, because this is really the most important part. If, if you walk away with anything, when we teach the kids, I always try to say, hey, when mommy asks you what you learn, make sure you walk away with this one thing. And this is it. It's God's love. It's perfect. It's unconditional. I mean, as a parent and, and as children and parents in the room, I know you have felt this even on a human level. Mary, the other day, my daughter, uh, we're sitting at the dinner table. And it's funny just how, how the course of the last two weeks have gone. And it was after the tragedy in Texas on, um, on Friday. And, and we were talking about it because it's just what we do. It, we wanted them to hear from us first and we wanted to kind of get it out there. And Mary, kind of this profound moment is like, Daddy, I wouldn't do this, but if I were to ever do that, would you still love me? <laughs> and it just, it just like stopped me dead in my tracks. I'm like, of course, baby. Like, of course, I'm sure that mommy still loves that individual. It's, it's not tied to our actions. So if I feel that way as a, a human father, how much more so does God feel about us, right? Manny, Manny said something to me months ago. Uh, I think like he and I talk a lot about this, and it's a, something I struggle with, the obedience and the surrender. And he, he shot me straight in the eyes. He said, listen, if you never open the Bible again, if you never obey God again, his love doesn't change. He will still love you. You can always go back to him. And it just it stopped me dead in my tracks. And he's right. It's what the word says. And we'll talk about that. Let's look at it. He loves us. And, and it, is, it is not tied to our actions. And so that's the foundation of all of this, right? And Ed has talked about in the past few weeks when we 
kind of talk about this other character, obedience. Obedience isn't really tied to like doing it because the word says to, but because that love is already part of us. The kingdom of heaven is already in our hearts. Um, just a few other things about, about love, and I don't have a quote for it on the board, but C.S. Lewis is, um, he's, he's a human, human author. You know, he, he writes, he wrote Mere Christianity, a lot of other great works. I'm reluctant to kind of bring human quotes into the, into the realm here, but, but what he says is accurate and it is backed by scripture. And this is what kind of he says about God's love. He says, the great thing to remember is that though our feelings come and go, God's love for us does not. And who's ever been in that season? Who's been in seasons? We are, I know, I know you are now. Different people are in those seasons where we feel apart from God, right? Where it's like, I'm really struggling with this thing. And we kind of start to do this from God's love. But his love does not change. Our feelings come and go. Our actions come and go. But God's love is unchanging. And it is always there. It is always present. And uh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. When you look at the story in the Bible of the prodigal, the prodigal son, right? Um, in that book that Jake gave me, he talks about it. And the author calls it the prodigal father. Because the story is about the father. The story is not about the sons, really. It's about the father's love. And both sons fall victim to it. The focus is on the son who takes, a, takes the father's riches and squanders them and comes back and is still loved by the father. But both sons, if you look at it closely, they fall victim to the same thing, which is thinking that their actions control their father's love or will gain their father's favor. The one who went and squandered all the riches thought, there's no way I can go back because I, I messed up, right? And the one who stayed and worked his butt off thought, I deserve a lot because I've been doing these actions, these things to earn my father's love, but both were wrong. And in the story of the prodigal son, he brings back, his son comes back and he's delighted and he throws a party. The other son who's been sticking around says, what the heck? <laughs> you didn't ever kill a fattened calf for me. And he says, we, he was lost and now he's found. My love for you who has stayed here is the same for you who have gone. So I'm here to tell you, no, no matter where you are, what season you're in with your love for God, his love is unchanging and it, he, he wants you. Go back. Like if you feel like you're distant, go back through prayer, through reading the word. I would encourage you. It starts with that. It just starts with a recognition of this love, this unending love. Um, so that's, that's a character that I'm getting more familiar with. But the one, that, the one that I've always been familiar with before I was a believer, before I accepted Christ in my life, is this one, right? And I was looking for images like, you know, every time kind of think of something it's curious to see what google says that image should say so you've got like the uh the little cult following of andre the giant and, and the obey right <clears throat> and the bible talks a lot about obey um it talks about obedience and it talks about obedience a lot more than it talks about surrender um surrender is really only mentioned when it talks about the wars and in the old testament surrendering in a military sense but what we're going to see here is is I th my, you know, my interpretation of the Bible, and I only speak English, so I've only read the English text. I know there are, maybe some of you out there can read the Hebrew texts and others, but uh, I, I think they're synonymous. And I think that you won't read in the Bible about obedience with, apart from God's love. And so that's why we talk about the two married together for, for surrender. So God's word, it calls for us to obey. In and of itself, though, obedience in and of itself is not sufficient. And, and you can see this in my son John's not in here, but I, I get a lot of miles out of this verse. Like, John, if you love me, you'll obey me. <laughs> it's like my go-to parenting verse, right or wrong. Uh, but, but it's, you know, it's what it says. And, and it's funny because in the New Living Translation, it says, you are my friends if you do what I command. 
Um, the New International Version, the, the version I was actually reading for this, my daughter's Bible, if you love me, you will obey what I command. But it's not, it's not unhinged from that love. It's, they have to be tied together. Another, another thing from the book that Jake gave me that I had never considered is uh, when you read the story of creation, because really this obedience is, is like a thing. It's either a willful thing or a thing that we're compelled to do, and it's really tied to the heart. And it's really tied to free will too, right? So God, God made us. And why did he make us? And this author's argument is that creation is a love story. God made us because he loves us. He wanted to fellowship with us. He wanted a relationship with us. And where, where we go back to that love. And I never considered creation as a love story, but, but he's right. When you read it, God is so, he's so crestfallen when, when Adam and Eve um, eat, eat from the tree and, but he still, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. He had everything. God had everything. If, you know, he gave us free will and he loved us so much. He wants that relationship with us, but he, he, doesn't just, he doesn't just want obedience. He wants the love with it and the willful obedience because what, what, I would, uh, what I would argue is that if he wanted just straight obedience and people to do the right thing, he would have made something that, that looks like this. And I don't know if you can see that, but just like the droid army, right? The storm ship troopers like, yes, sir. Like, hut, hut. Yes, we will obey. But he didn't make us that way. He didn't make a whole army of stormship troopers. He made humans. He made us in his likeness with free will and the choice to decide and the choice to decide where we give our trust and our love and our heart. And I feel like our obedience is a lot like our tithing and a lot like all of the other giving areas of our life. And what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians is that God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And it's no, our checkbook in this sense is no different than our heart, no different than our trust and our faith. He wants our faith. He wants our obedience. He wants our trust, but he wants us to do so cheerfully and willfully. Um, and, and, you know, talking about the stormship troopers, the, the Bible also mentions that we've, we've been given that freedom, right? And this is just proof. That it's, it's, it's in there. It's in the book. As, uh, as an old pastor of mine used to say, it's in the book. Galatians talks about it. And it says that, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. And then goes on to say, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use it to serve one another in love. And I would, I would further extend that. Use that freedom to love God, not just one another, but give it to God. Let him embrace you and, and return that. <laughs> and, you know, we, and we go back, I'll go back to that picture because I feel like this is kind of this is the a big part of it, a big part of that obedience. He he gave us this freedom. He he gave us this free will. And like me as a parent, when I when I tell Mary to do something or I tell my child to do something, there's nothing that feels better than they're like, Yes, Dad. You know, like cheerfully and joyfully, like, Yes, Dad. And it's just like, Oh <laughs> that feels so good to my heart. And and that's how God feels too. Like, yes, Lord, like they do it. And when when my children um, obey and, and it's a form of surrender in a way that is like because we're a family because it's out of love they know they have faith and trust that I'm asking them to do it out of love and that they trust that I'm asking them to do something that's in their in their best interest and that it's they know that as a father I'm not asking as as like a dictator um, or a militant member but rather as a father coming to them in love I think of this, I think of this, and, and if this child goes off and does what his father says, it's, it's compliance. And that's almost like a dirty word now when you think about this love and obedience and surrender. To me, compliance is like, ah, 
when my child just complies, it's, it's, not, it's missing the point. It misses the mark, and it's the same way for God. As God's children, I, I think we, we need to be the same way. We need to obey. We need to continue to obey, but not in an effort to gain God's favor, but rather because that kingdom of heaven that Ed talks about is already part of us. Like, and you'll feel the change. If you haven't already, if you haven't experienced this change, I would invite you through prayer and through just quiet time, reflection with God, invite him in. Feel that warm embrace like in your quiet times and you will see a change. I know I did. I know as soon as, as, soon as I did this and, and you know, I think that's the quintessential image of surrender. Like we talk about it. There's, there's nothing better when the, when the baby comes up to mom and dad and, and does this, like pick me up, lift me up. I surrender to you in, in every form and fashion. Do this to God and you will feel the change come over you. You will feel that it's not obedience, it's not following God's word because of some form of dirty compliance, but rather because he is already inside of us and, that, and the kingdom of heaven moves around inside of us. C.S. Lewis, uh, a cu- couple other quotes from him and, and I think this is spot on. He says that the Christian does not think God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. It's really getting to the heart of what I'm trying to say. Um, that it's it's not our actions. It's the love. Like, we will become good because of God's love and because of inviting it into our hearts. And and this is this this starts to get harder and harder for me, especially when we start talking about trying harder. Like the prodigal son that left, and then the other son, he the one that stayed, he just kept trying harder, right, to gain his father's favor. There's a quote from an author, Matt McMillan, and, and he says, God does not want you to try harder. He wants you to trust him deeper. He wants you to do this. I trust you, God. I invite you into my life. Stop trying. Start trusting. This will change everything in you. And I feel like in my word today that God has kind of like put placed on my heart, that trust is really synonymous to what you say, to that, to that surrender, really trusting. And who's ever been in a relationship, whether it's with a child or spouse, maybe a boyfriend and girlfriend where there's just something you're, you're not connected because that love is interrupted by a lack of trust. When you have that lack of trust, it, can't, it doesn't flow freely. It's almost like a hose that gets kinked, right? The hose being that trust and that surrender. Uh, the author that, that we've, I've been reading, he says, he, he actually almost like cautions, like, um, I don't even know if I have it here. Only God deserves absolute surrender because only God can offer absolutely dependable love. And that's true. God will never let you down. If you do this to God, he will never let you down. I tell the kids all the time, I'm going to let you down. I don't want to. I will try not to, but I am human. I'm going to let you down. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't at least try to get that, that faith and trust, whether it's a spouse or a child, right? That's, that is what's going to allow the love to flow freely through that hose. Of, it's that hose of surrender, that hose of trust and faith. So while God is the one you can truly trust your exposure, your nakedness, your faith and your trust with, you still need to try with, with your loved ones, whether it's a spouse or a child. He does. He, just, he wants our heart. He doesn't, he doesn't want our will. We can't try harder. It just doesn't work that way. I think, um, yeah, and, and in Proverbs, we, we see it too. It says, uh, Proverbs twenty three twenty six tells us, Oh, my son, give me your heart. May your eyes take delight in following my ways. And that's what happens. I, I, would, I used to, to counsel people and preach somewhat to people like, hey, it starts with a choice. And I tell my kids that too. It starts with a choice your heart will follow. But it's not that clear cut. 
like your heart is so closely tied. You can choose, and, and forgiveness works a lot like that, quite frankly, I believe, that you choose to forgive first, and it does. Reconciliation is the thing that happens afterwards. And it's kind of like this with God's love. You, you need to make the deliberate step towards him, the step to surrender, the step to just open your arms. Father God, I welcome you in, and I promise you that, that the heart will follow. And it just it tells you right here, may your eyes take delight, and, and that will happen. Other Proverbs here tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. We need to. We need to just let go. Let go of the wheel. And that's where my kind of story comes in. My hang-up with God and Jesus' sacrifice for us has always been my, my biggest sin, probably, and, and the foundation, Jake and I were talking yesterday that all sin is really rooted in what the, the first commandment is, taking your eyes off of God and idolizing something else. Well, my idolatry is really rooted in being the captain of my own ship, control. I idolize control and feel like I'm the one in control. And all through my youth and all up even to past the point of dedicating my life to Christ, I felt I almost just I couldn't let go of that, that rudder, right? I'm the captain of my own ship. And it comes down to this. It comes down to not wanting to let go. And, and I have found a way. I'm here to tell you, you can obey without giving up your heart, without giving your will. Almost like a prisoner of war. Who, who's ever read or seen the accounts of the prisoners of war, whether it was World War II or Vietnam, and that's what they would hang on to, or even the prisoners in, in like the, the camps in Germany, they would hang on to their will. You know, Their captors could do anything to them. They could make them do things. They could make them obey, but they couldn't take away their will to live. And that's how people survive those horrible situations. And I, that was like me in my first walk with Christianity. I was like a POW. Like, okay, God, I got it. I can obey this, but I'm still the boss. Like, I'm still the one in control, and it doesn't work that way. I'm missing. I was missing the mark. I was not surrendering. I was not just letting go. And if you're in that place right now, I, I would ask you, please, let go. Let go of the wheel. It's a, I think it's kind of a corny song, Jesus, Take the Wheel. But it's, it's rooted in the truths of the Bible here. You've got to let go. You cannot hold on to the wheel. It, it, it won't work that way. It's un, your obedience is completely uncoupled with God's love. I'm, uh, I'm going to put an eye chart up here. I, I think it's my last C.S. Lewis quote. Obviously, I, I kind of I, uh, I like what he says a lot. One of the reasons I like C.S. Lewis is he started as an unbeliever. He was a soldier in, uh, in England. And he's a very logical human being. And that's part of my hang-up is that I get so hung up on the brain, right? Choice. I think th through things. And C.S. Lewis has this beautiful way of taking Scripture, cutting it down to the bare bones in this simple, simple way of looking at the Scripture and looking at God. And he has a very logical way. So really my first walk and my first kind of like surrender started by reading C.S. Lewis and, and having, helping, that helping me kind of come to grips with this. And so what he talks about here is while God loves us no matter what we do, we're still called to, to try and obey. But here's what we'll learn, and I'm going to read this. Now, we cannot discover our failure to keep God's law except by trying our various hearts. So I just told you, you're like, Kip, what the heck are you talking about? Like, you told me not you can't try harder. But here it says, like, we got to try our, our hardest, but then we're going to fail, right? Because none of us can do it. Even the most simple things of God, we are incapable of obeying God's word perfectly. We are. Don't, but it's, the whole point is that you still should, should try. We're called to. The Word tells us to. Unless we really try, 
Whatever we say, there will always be at the back of our minds the idea that if we try harder, next time we shall succeed in being completely good. Thus, in one sense, the road back to God is a road of moral effort, of trying harder and harder. But in another sense, it's not trying that is ever going to bring us home. All this trying leads up to the vital moment at which you turn to God and say, you must do this. I can't. Right? And that's what, that's what President Lincoln said, right? Is that I find myself closest to God when, when, I, when I can't walk any further and I'm on my knees. And that's what this is telling you. I'm not encouraging you to try harder um, because, to earn favor. I'm just encouraging you that love in your heart that places that God places in your heart, it's going to bring you to try and obey, but you will fail. It doesn't mean we stop trying, right? It's in our heart and we're compelled to do God's works, but just know that you fail and we can't do it alone. It is impossible. I love that. You turn to God and you say, you must do this. I can't. And uh, yeah. And so that's, that's what I've learned. I mean, I still struggle with what he describes here. Um, I feel like the, the next part, the next character is, has been a dirty word for me as a, as a Marine. Uh, even, even like playing, you know, sports in high school, high school football, like it's, it's, it's something that we don't smile upon, right? Surrender. It's, it's something we must do though, as a believer, it doesn't work for the military for obvious reasons, but as a believer, as a child of God, you must surrender. It is something we must do. It's the answer. It is the bridge between God's love and obedience. And the definition, uh, if, if you look, it tells you that uh, it is the ceasing of resistance to an enemy or opponent and submit to their authority. Um, and, and so God is not our opponent, right? And that's, this is very military in sense, but it's stopping opposing God, right? It's just letting him in, putting those hands up, let go. And uh, another author once said, those who surrender obey, but not all who obey surrender. And that's me, right? For years, I obeyed, you know, like, hey, that, you know, on the outside, like, hey, seems like a good Christian guy. Seems like he's, he's living the word. But that one piece was missing, that, that surrender, right? It's, you have to have it. It's a perfect combination. It's being willing, not willful. I think one of the struggles, too, about it is it goes against the grain of today's society, right? What does today's society tell you? This world that we live in, right? It's our battlefield, right? But all of, the, all of those, the, whether they're enemies or it's just the world that tells us, right? Independence, right? It's not a bad thing, but when we talk about our walk with God, it's the opposite of what we need. Autonomy. You are your own person. Captain of your own ship. And that's what I was raised to, to know and to think. And as I mentioned, you know, the translations of the Bible that I, I know how to read, they, they don't make that reference to surrender, but they do talk a lot about obedience and they, talk, they don't talk about obedience alone. It's obedience with love. So here we see John, the Apostle John, in his, uh, in his book, chapter 15, verse 9. I'm just going to read it and, and you can read it too. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. This is Jesus talking, by the way. This isn't John. John's writing this, but this is, these are Jesus' words. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my, Father command, my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And some of you have felt that, right? You have felt yourself do things that you didn't do before once you surrender. Once you let God into your heart, the world looks a little bit different. You see things differently. You start acting a little bit differently, right? And you start feeling this joy start to overflow. You see God's love in different ways too. I mean, I've seen, 
if you do the math, you know, probably thousands upon thousands of sunrises, right? But it wasn't until I invited God's light into my heart and his love that I started seeing them differently. When I see a sunrise now, it reeks of God's love for me. When I see my children, it reeks of God's love for me. When I see all the things you see on the news, it reeks of the devil now. And it's clear to me that it is a battlefield, but God's love is everywhere and we know it because we see it and we feel it, right? You don't need to search far. I'm telling you right now, whatever you're going through, whatever trials you have, and there are many, I know, and even in this small room of so many people, there are many trials in here. They exist and they are real and I am not minimizing them, but if you are able and you open your eyes and you invite God's love and you will see even in your trials, his love for you. And you will see the beauty of what he has given to us through his son's death of forgiveness. Here's another one of obedience, right? But it's it, obedience and then the next word is practically love. And it's the book of James and he says, do you think that scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate that the spirit has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives us grace generously and that's, that grace is coupled with the love. As the scriptures say, God opposes those who are proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. And I put in there, obey God, right? Humble yourself means what? Humble yourself means surrender. That's what it means to me. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. His love is already there. He is right next to you. No matter how far you think you are from him, he's still right there waiting, waiting for you. Just open your arms. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. That's the book of James 4. 15. And I think even like the header, you know, you have the headers uh, in the Bible. The, the header says, obey God. And then in a different version, it says, drawing close to God. We can trust God. You can. If you haven't yet, if you haven't made that ultimate surrender, if you haven't invited Jesus into your heart, I, I, I promise you, we can trust him. He is perfect. His love is perfect. Your spouse, they will disappoint. Your child, your parent, they will disappoint you. God's love will never disappoint we're, we're called the same to do with them, but, but I, I know that it will fall short, and, and that's part of our relationships with one another. Carl Jung, um, he, he, he mentions a great quote that I think is, is very pertinent to what we're talking about today. Love demands unconditional trust and expects absolute surrender. Just as nobody but the believer who surrenders himself wholly to God can partake in divine grace, so love reveals its highest mysteries and it's wonder only to those who are capable of unqualified devotion. You, you really, that hose is kinked. If you haven't surrendered yet, you haven't enjoyed God's true love and the power of it. Um, in, the, in that same book that Jake gave me and that Otter and I are reading, it gives the analogy of floating. Who, who knows how to swim? Who's, who's like really good in the water, right? And who, 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 do, who can't swim? Who's terrible in the water? I'm, I'm pretty bad. I start off really bad. So both of you know this next thing, and that is to float. What does it take to float? It takes letting go, right? To, to float, it takes surrender. You have to let go. Our, our working, our paddling in the water actually makes it harder to float. It does the opposite, right? We're working harder. We'll last, we'll last shorter in the water. If you want to survive in the water, the best thing to do is just to float and to let go. As soon as you start swimming, especially if you can't swim, if, as soon as you start trying harder and harder, you're just going to start drowning. You're going to be working harder and you're going to be spent. And eventually the water will overtake you. But if you let go and you can, it's, it's the perfect surrender. And, and I think a very good analogy. Um, 
it, it just it just have to let go though. And it's a lot like Peter in the water, right? I mean, most of us know that story, right? Where he comes in, he's walking on the water. As soon as he takes his eyes off of Christ, as soon as he starts to try and control the situation, like, ha, ah, I'm on the water. Like he almost like starts paddling. Like, what do I do? He starts sinking, right? You gotta let go. It's like floating. Again, this Venn diagram, it, it falls short, but it's kind of in my mind's eye if you were to walk away with that one thing in the middle. Walk away with the thing in the middle, right? God's love and our obedience is, is that it's, it's the surrender. It's the hose. And what I'll, what I'll kind of finish with, um, kind of finish with, I guess, is uh, my final kind of C.S. Lewis quote, is that if you leave here today, if, if you feel like, yes, if this is you, and like it is me, I will tell you that it has to happen again every day. It's not something you do today and walk away tomorrow and you're good, right? I'll tell you right now that that hose, the world will kink that hose a little bit every day. Every day we need to resurrender to God. It's an, it's, to call it an effort isn't right, but it's something you have to do. And C.S. Lewis says this, relying on God, surrendering, it has to begin all over again every day as if nothing had yet been done. So it's, it's, about, it's, it's part of our living in this world. It's part of our relationship with God. Every day, invite Him in. And, and if you haven't, I would invite you to, family. It, it is, uh, to call the life changer is, is selling it short. So I think uh, the band's coming up and uh, we're, we're going to close with, uh, with a song. And then we'll close with prayer. Thank you, guys.